The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like obsessions, <laughs> being too picky, and codependency. Oh, goody. Yeah, it's going to be a great episode. But first, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we don't know what we're doing. We don't. We are not professionals. We are not trained in this. Uh... Yeah, we literally have no qualifications other than a <laughs> myriad of failed relationships. That's right. And Brene Brown books. Brene Brown books and mimosas. Yes. And And tears. 10 years. <laughs> 10 years of giving each other mediocre advice. Or like right. not even mediocre advice, giving a, giving each other very like loving, empathetic, understanding, hard to swallow advice. Yes, and then refusing <laughs> to take each other's advice every single time. <laughs> Ah, yes. Okay. That is all to say, please take our advice as you see fit. Sam and I are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Welcome to episode 77. 77. 77. Sam, what's our check-in topic today? Our check-in topic is dealing with crushes when you're in a relationship. Ooh, relatable. Yeah, Lauren Y., who's writing from Detroit, who's like newly in a relationship, really into their partner, but is wondering what to do with all of the crushes that she feels for other people. Sorry, is yours like burping or something? <laughs> I was trying not to burp in the microphone. We Sam all and I just that. inhaled some Mexican 
And um, I just was trying to do it discreetly, but you made direct eye contact with me while I was like blowing it, blowing it out. <laughs> now it's stuck in my stomach. You oh know? no! Yeah, I gotta gotta like burp me like a baby. Do I need to like yeah put you over my leg and God, like, I, this hit podcast, your back? This podcast is a constant reminder to me that like I used to have some anonymity and grace and dignity. Yeah, that's right. None, none anymore. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So how do you deal with having a crush on someone when you're in a relationship? Yeah. Okay. Number one, totally real. Totally real. Totally legitimate. Yeah. Because we're humans mm-hmm. and we interact. And our uh, appreciation and attraction to other people doesn't just go away because we're suddenly in a relationship. Yes, totally. Uh, and it doesn't make you a bad person. No. It doesn't make you a cheater. Mm-mm. doesn't make you, you don't have a wandering eye. Just sometimes we vibe with people. <laughs> I hope they heard that one. It needed to come out. It just needed it. It was. Just, I was like, oh god, I'm either gonna vomit or burp. <laughs> well, I'm glad you burped. Well, no, it wasn't that. It was just like, like this is awful. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> this is such good content. Ugh, this is okay. what they are here for. No, they're not here for that. I'm really sorry. It's just like it. Just I just I couldn't control it, <laughs> and I'm here to be vulnerable. <laughs> And transparent and tell you guys that I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't have to apologize for the things your body does, Sierra. You're right. Thank you. Except for <laughs> that one time that I brought eggs into the studio. Yeah, that was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, so having a crush on somebody else in the in a relationship, we already said that that's normal. That's mm-hmm. fine. They're humans. Plus, like, chemistry is sometimes undeniable yep like it just sometimes like you're you have a good time with somebody or like you make each other laugh Mm -hmm. or pheromones or whatever so how do we deal with that how do you deal with that um usually i mean first of all i'm like you know i have to set it up in my brain that like this is a cute crush but like that's all it is like you Mm -hmm. have to like really you have to do the head and heart work of being like this is off limits for me and so i'm not going to put myself in a situation where i hurt myself or hurt my partner. And let me explain what that head and heart work is just for a second, because it's, I feel like a lot of times with those passionate emotions, we're like, we let them overtake us or Mm -hmm. like, oh, they're in the driver's seat, not me. But really you can say to yourself, you you can talk yourself out of making it something bigger than it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, And that's really what it is for me too, to say like, is this something real or legitimate or is this me just having Mm -hmm. cutesy feelings about someone else Mm -hmm. and then the extended head and heart work is okay what boundaries and mental boundaries do i need to now put up in place to to ensure um i am staying on track for the things i actually really want in life right um so yeah i think we do a pretty similar practice Mm -hmm. do you tell willow about crushes you have on people I'm not very social, so I haven't had that experience, like, enough. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about, like, celebrities or, or like, when um, sometimes we'll be hanging out with people and I'll say, like, on the way home, I'll be like, oh, that person is so pretty and charismatic mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. But it's more like social commentary, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I I haven't had that situation in this relationship. Um Maybe in other relationships, no, because I 
struggle with shame. <laughs> sure, as we all do. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, Brene Brown would not be a best-selling author. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So no, I I don't. Do you tell Peter? I think it's been like a good long while since I've had exactly. like a crush on someone. And I want to. Maybe I'm going to interrupt you a little and just say like you get you get better and better at not getting tangled up in crushes yeah like through time through through doing Agreed. that head and heart process it's like well, i think when i was younger i just was like susceptible to the whims of my emotions seriously and my desires i'd be like oh oh my god I'll, i'm in a happy relationship but look at this cute barista right. you know he's flirting with me and that's so lovely or whatever what ways can i sabotage yes, myself exactly. because i don't deserve good things but when exactly <laughs> my diary right there um but when you get older and uh, uh, or not even about age, but experience and clarity as you better understand the things that are good for you, the things that you want in your life, the things that you cherish, yep. you get better at kind of like equipping yourself to 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 put those desires to bed, basically. And I think to put them in context, yes, too. Yes, exactly. To oh, like, like, oh, this is a fun person I like hanging out with. This is yeah. not somebody I want to marry and like right. build my life around. To be like, oh, those things that I'm feeling for that person are legitimate, but they're not real. Like, yes. They feel real. Right. But they're not, but like, <clears throat> I don't know this person. I don't, I don't know what yeah, they're the like. Yeah, the intimacy of them. Three, like, right? It's, I don't it's how we talk about this. romanticizing crushes exactly. or romanticizing people you can't be with. Right. I don't know what their breath smells like in the morning and I probably don't want to know. Right. So like what I have in my relationship with Peter is a hundred percent real because we're both here. Like we've been together. Mm -hmm. We are like, we've developed that level of intimacy with this person that I don't know. It's like that's not a real right. That the thing that I'm feeling is like totally natural, but it's not a real. You want to know a reflection of reality. I love that because it sets up a point I really want to make, which mm -hmm. is you know where work where where crushes are the most dangerous. Where work <laughs> because you see them regularly yeah. enough to give yourself the idea that you know them intimately, mm -hmm. but you don't. You just. I mean, maybe you do. Yeah. Maybe there, there's definitely a level of intimacy of work coworkers or whatever. But it's like it's like a facade of regularity because you're forced to spend eight hours a day get, get together or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's real. I've had work crushes for sure, but it's also like, eh. <laughs> like it's just again, it's 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 like this this isn't real. Yeah. Like, this person is really great to hang out with, and like. If I were single, would I for sure try and hook up with them? Yeah, but like I'm not. So why, yeah. why put the time and effort into nursing something that's never going to be come yeah. to fruition? And let me say this: I don't think that work intimacy is not real. I think that people get close and work friendships are real. But oftentimes, I th I, I have noticed in my life at least, there's like a false sense of closeness mm. because you're so. Because you have so much in common in that small world, right? Like yeah. how a lot of work friends talk about work, you know, because that's what you bond over. Yep. But that doesn't have anything to do with their family life or the way they treat servers, you know, or yep. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, and your work is... Very isolating. <laughs> different than like... <laughs> than my work is, which is like, I go to a place that feels like a corporation yeah. where I like, everyone is very professional. Like yeah. we have fun and we like get to know each other and we say inappropriate words. I'm thinking about like where, when you and I worked at the coffee shop. But like, yeah, met. when you're in a coffee shop where it's like all other young people who are hormonal and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like and really want to get at each other. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, did you have any crushes at that job? T uh, 12 yeah, years ago? Or yeah. Mm -hmm. Many. Give me a clue of which ones they were. 
I don't know. I don't even remember their names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So I, I think we could give the last piece of advice I'll say, like I'm trying to think of like tangible takeaways mm-hmm. other than the men- the mental work, the head and heart work that it takes to say this isn't real. I'm a, I'm a good person and I continue to I can continue to be in this relationship in a positive present way and acknowledge these feelings and then like put them to the side mm-hmm. or whatever. The last piece of tangible advice I'll say is you have to be honest and uh, open with yourself to when you know it's gone too far. Mm. And then you have to make changes so that you no longer have that person uh, in your regular line of sight. That's right. <laughs> if, if you want to stay in your relationship, then you have to make choices that reinforce the prosperity and sustainability of that relationship. For sure. And sometimes that means not doing hanging out with that person anymore Mm -hmm. or not going to that coffee shop anymore or whatever i have made even in this relation most recent relationship with willow i have made choices to for the betterment and sustainability of that relationship that have meant maybe um changing patterns in my life or or you know like changing my uh what jobs i take or or whatever i don't know yeah um, so that's the last piece of advice I would say. Anything yeah. else you would say? You would no, I would just say, um, bring it out into the light. Right. I think one of the, one of the things that's helped me is like admitting when I have crushes on people, not necessarily to Peter, although we sometimes do that. Like, yeah. like he will tell me if he has a crush on someone. Oh, at work he has a because... crush on Willow. <laughs> We've talked about this. <laughs> uh, but it's also like, instead of being like, oh no, that's not a thing that I can feel. Like yeah. I have to, I have to suppress that immediately instead being like, you know, Nope, this is a thing that I'm feeling. Totally. And it's like, it's okay. It's valid. It's, I'm not going to act on it, but it's okay that I'm feeling it. That's so smart. Because pushing things down and trying to make them not happen just makes them grow. And shame lives in the dark, right? Right. And so how can you bring it out into the light and say, it's okay that I'm feeling this because you know what? I'm not going to act on it. Right. I am not cheating on my partner by having a crush on someone. It's like just a response to things around me that's so true um so that's so true of so many experiences too seriously. like putting them into the light it takes power away from it right all of a sudden you're like this is just a thing mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's why smart. therapy is so wonderful it is honestly <laughs> uh it really is shout out to our previous sponsor better help uh-huh. use, use our code <laughs> just break up just break up okay are right, you want to get into letters i would love to great Okay, first letter is from Jean Louise, who is writing to us from the entirety of Europe. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, they just wrote Europe, but I thought that was cute. Okay. I'm an American woman living abroad. I moved here initially to complete a master's degree as it is less expensive to pay for a degree in Europe than it is in the U.S. Completely fucking nuts, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) About About a year after moving here, I was debating whether I would move back home after finishing my dissertation or whether I would attempt to get a job here and live abroad, giving and give living abroad a real chance. It was at this point that I met a man that I am now dating. We've been together for a year and a half now, and I'm the happiest I have ever been. He is loving, smart, generous, and kind. He's the kind of guy that moves snails from the middle of the sidewalk so they don't get crushed, but manages to do this in a genuine and not dopey way. (laughs) However secure I feel in our love for each other, when we began, things weren't quite so simple. He was always the kind, generous man he is now, but he had this ex-girlfriend 
Now, I don't really want to make this the, quote, crazy ex-girlfriend story, and I hope it's not that reductive, but I did find her role in our early relationship very manipulative. My current partner dated this woman for two years. She was his first real relationship and his first love. And she suffered and continued to suffer from severe mental illness, specifically borderline personality disorder, when they were together in a very genuine and valid way. She also comes from a working class background and lacks the resources to always deal with this in the way that would be best for her. And I'm very, very sympathetic of that. However, it was very traumatic for my partner in a way that he had not at all processed when we first started dating. He told me about a month into our relationship that he had to stop a suicide attempt from her actively about two months into the relationship and that he had never spoken to anyone about it besides her before telling me this. The end of their relationship was about five months before him and myself even met. And it was her decision. She, it became very clear later, always thought that they would get back together. They stayed friends and relatively close, which worried me when I first heard about it. But I was open to seeing what the nature of that was. When he told her he was seeing me and was interested beyond the casual hookup, she became quite upset. Her being upset was, of course, understandable and valid. But she would ask him to meet up for conversations for closure, and they would last full days. He was honest about them with me, and the lack of contact while they were together felt palpable and always left me feeling very distressed and distracted. We are all political activists in the same organization, but I had never met her before. However, at one sort of weekend retreat very early on, she pulled him away for about four hours, leaving me very anxious. Meanwhile, I'd been attempting to not even casually touch him on the arms out of sensitivity towards her. I learned later that she thought I was flaunting it in front of her. Events like this continue to happen if we were around each other, which happened once every few months. And my partner was a very was very culpable as well. He definitely prioritized her, quote, needs over my discomfort on multiple occasions on one hand my more rational self could understand this was not an expression of love as much as it was his conditioning as a caretaker uh, to this person but also he chose to be with me and therefore he should she he should have been more attuned i have expressed my anger and hurt at his role very clearly and repeatedly for her part she would drop into our relationship randomly and without warning, and she said herself it wasn't until about eight months into it that it occurred to her that he might actually be serious about staying with me, even though three months into dating me, he told her that he loved me. From my perspective, it felt like she was using the trauma he experienced in their relationship to manipulate and control him, and it felt like an intentional sabotage of what was otherwise a really beautiful and lovely period of my life. As time passed and I continued to draw the problems of the dynamic in their relationship delicately, my partner began to reveal more and more about how he lost himself in that relationship. He even dropped out of college in order to take care of her, and he was chronically unemployed. Since being free of that and getting positive feedback from myself and others, he's gained the confidence back to go back to what is the equivalent of a community college course, which he excelled in. He also held down uh, steady full-time work and has even been promoted. Last spring, he finally met with her and set a firm boundary, telling her she could not say to him that she loved him anymore, even if she did, because it was inappropriate and not productive and that he needed her to stop contacting him. 
In fairness, she has respected those boundaries for the most part, although her and her new boyfriend did request to move into the room me and my partner are now moving out of, which is just bizarre and irritating to me. But I am finding my obsession with her persist. For so long, she was a source of so much stress. People around me who knew her, we didn't know each other but had many mutual friends, had a tendency to unintentionally invalidate or undermine what I was feeling by focusing on her mental health issues and it being valid that she was upset, neither of which I ever negated. My partner in the early stages of our relationship, because he had basically done no processing of the issue, was very confused and felt an obligation to her that it made it very difficult to even mildly mildly criticize her, something he has really, really improved on. It feels like everyone has moved on but me. I feel obsessed with anything I hear about her, finding the worst possible angle to it. I don't express it broadly to people, except for my closest friends and my partner. I was always very conscious of not acting the way she did towards me. A friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine has a new girlfriend who is in the same friend group as this woman, and I find myself really anxious when around the new girlfriend and very suspicious of her opinion of me because this woman used to say not so nice things about me and my partner to other people. I do think my partner needs therapy to work through this more, and that I could get, I could use that too. But we are both broke, and it's hard to find an affordable option. So in the meantime, what can I do to get over this? I need to let it go, but also a part of me doesn't want to. I had to convince people of the validity of my anger and hurt for so long that I don't want to let it go. P.S. I'm sure that there was a more brief way to explain this, but every detail, even the ones left out, feels essential to me, and maybe that's part of the problem. Thank you so much for writing, Jean Louise. We appreciate it. Have you been in a similar situation, Sam? Uh, yes, I have. But the I didn't have to ever meet or see the ex. Mm. Like I, we didn't have different. Like he lived in a different city. Did you? Did you? Did you? The same? Did the health <laughs> or sanctity? <laughs> shut up. <laughs> did the? Did your relationship feel threatened by their presence or like their? Their presence as a human being, as the 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 non physical manifestation of them. <laughs> um, yeah. So, it, like, it wasn't like they were in contact quite a bit, but like yeah. so much of the. But my ex, who I was with, had been like processing that for so long that it felt like their ex was so present mm-hmm. all the time. Oh my god, totally. Um, and then like the things that I would do would be triggering. And I wouldn't know that they were triggering in ways of like, well, that's what my ex used to do. And so like when you say it that way, this is how I feel. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like I was like constantly being <clears throat> stepping into things that I didn't realize. Yeah, I was you were like into. dating two yeah. people. Yeah. I was like, OK, but I'm not your ex. So like what right. is happening here? Right. I, the, what what comes to mind in my own experience that's similar is like being obsessed with the person my partner cheated on me with. Mm. Um but it's not quite the same. I do. I, the, another similarity I have is uh, an ex of my of a partner of mine. Their relationship ended in kind of like a a shit show. <laughs> you know, there was infidelity. There was mental health issues. And I remember being sort of afraid of this, mm-hmm. of this situation, afraid that the, it was going to carry over into our relationship. Yeah. But that person I was dating had very healthy boundaries mm. and 
so my de- my fear didn't become actualized, but I relate to this letter a lot because especially when it comes to and another thing it makes me think of is the toll of mental health caretaking on on the caregivers um and intimate relationships uh not villainizing people with mental health issues at all but just understanding that it can um that is a whole other dynamic to interpersonal relationships that i don't think gets a lot of light and can be really hard i i totally agree with um our letter writer that like her her boyfriend is suffering through some sort of form of PTSD, I'm assuming. For sure. Yep. And I think that's what stood out to me most about your letter um, was that that it's clear to me that your that your partner is experiencing some trauma from like the fallout of mm-hmm. this relationship and from like the way in which her mental health played out and like how he had to caretake for her. Yeah. And but I also want to say to you that like there is a thing called secondary trauma too that happens to the people who are trying to get like to provide care to the people who are experiencing trauma. Right. Um, and I think I know that this is true for me and my relationship. It's really hard to be the partner of the person who is going through something traumatic. Right. Because it is it doesn't affect you personally. And yet the the ripples of it, about right? your life. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's like a like a concussive force that like comes at you right. that isn't like tangible in any way, but can totally just blow you back. Right. And it can be hard in that situation, I think, to to even try and like justify the the pain that you're going through because the person that you are close to is going through it so much worse. And that and oh my God, so, so real. So what when I read your letter, I it really struck with me because, you know, like Peter and I have been through a hell of a year in multiple yes, different ways. Um, and just knowing how difficult it is to caretake for someone who is, <clears throat> who is yeah. experience, has experienced trauma and is now having to relive it over and over again as this person who I love that you have empathy for and understanding for, but who is nonetheless doing things that are actively hurting your partner. Yeah. yeah. Like that's. That's really hard. And so I want to just say to you, like, you have every right to be upset. Yes. You have every right to be anxious and scared and and all of the things that are accompanying going through trauma in right. some way. Um, you have the right to feel all of those things. You have the right to not like this woman, even though her actions might be caused by something that's out of her control. Yeah. Like, it's totally justified for you to not want to be around her. And it's totally justified for you to not be the most forgiving person to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, leave that to other people who aren't being actively hurt by the things that she is going through. Right? Well, yeah. Other people can learn forgiveness. Right now, you just need to focus on the fact that your emotions are valid. Your partner's hurt is valid and that you can feel what you need to feel in order to move through this. I totally agree. And you nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I, want to talk about like ways in which Jean Louise can move forward now. Like how do you it's almost like the. It's similar to the anxiety, the tick that people have to like check the social medias Mm -hmm. of their exes. Or, or, or their significant other's exes, you yep. know, um, except for like add a sprinkle of trauma, you know, and <laughs> uh, mental health dynamics. Yep. Um, but so I want to think about like practical ways in which you can step into this new era of your relationship in which now she is respecting those boundaries. But it's not just that her her ghost won't haunt you anymore. <laughs> yeah. We, we want to uh-huh. get to that point. Yep. Um, but I also want to echo what Sam said, which is it's very obvious 
uh, Jean, that you, this is not the crazy ex-girlfriend narrative and mm-hmm. you are very empathetic and eloquent in your telling of this story. And, and it's very obvious that you understand um, all of the dynamics at play, but Sam's right. You can still hold somebody accountable just because they're struggling. Mm-hmm. And, the language that I would encourage you to use moving forward is to say, like when if somebody brings that, them up, just say, you know what? I, I wish that person no will, ill will. In fact, I, I wish them a lot of healing, but they have not been a safe place for me and my partner to grow a relationship. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have not um, been as empathetic to me, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> yeah. It, they don't make me feel safe. That's mm-hmm. that's a word I would use. For sure. Um, I think about safety as a place of no anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So how would how did you move forward out of that relationship? Was there what, for you and your your comparable experience? Was there a way forward, or did it just crash and burn? Um, I mean, I <laughs> that relationship crashed and burned for multiple reasons. <laughs> but uh, but like thinking about with with Peter and like some of the things that he's gone through in the past mm-hmm. year or so. Um, one of the things that I had to realize was that like I couldn't fix the problem and that I also couldn't control the things that were causing him pain. And all I could do was just be there to show up and to like release. <clears throat> because I feel like so much of the anxiety that happens is being like, oh, I have to, if I can figure out how to think about this thing in the right way, I can prevent it from hurting him anymore. (laughs) Right. Or if I can like, what can I do? I can like write a letter or I can like talk to that person or like whatever it is in order to like fix the problem. And the reality is, is that like I had absolutely no control over this, over this situation whatsoever. And so I had to accept that and realize that I, the only things that I could control were my reactions to the way that Peter was hurting and to help him figure out what he needed to do to take care of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I wish that I had a more tangible thing to say. <laughs> I wish mm-hmm. that I could be like, here's what you do. You m- take his phone away from him and block her on everything. And then you like, <laughs> that's what you would love to happen. <laughs> yeah. And then like write a letter to the board of the organization that you're working for to get her fired. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But like the reality is, is that none of that is going to work. What needs to change is the way that you are reacting to and relating to and her. relating to this person. Um, I have, I have something tangible uh, thinking about the friend, the new girlfriend who is friends in the same friend group as yep. the ex. So two things. One, what we are afraid of people thinking, 99% of the time they're not thinking that. <laughs> True. It's just like they're, we, our anxiety creates so many scripts of people talking down about us or feeling negatively about us. In reality, they're probably thinking about their shoes yeah. or Brussels sprouts or something like people spend a lot <laughs> less time thinking about us than we think that. Yeah. They do. <laughs> so that's the first thing. The second thing Brussels is, sprouts. you know, they're delicious. <laughs> the, the second thing is um, that being said, even if even if that's what she's thinking all you can control is your experience with this new f- girlfriend, the mm-hmm. friend, right? And so so what if she's heard that, right? So what? We are capable of hearing so many different appearance, uh, opinions and having o- our own experiences. Mm-hmm. The biggest takeaway from this whole letter is that you you don't have control over what people 
think about you. Well, that's yep. not the biggest takeaway for me. <laughs> but that, well, in this scenario right now, you can you can give yourself, you can take away a lot of your grief by just saying, you know what? I am doing the best I can. People only know 10% of who I am. Yep. And I can take comfort in knowing like they don't know all of me. We're all just doing the best we can. Mm-hmm. And I can't control how somebody thinks about me and uh, what somebody thinks about me. And if the, this one person has an idea about me based off of someone who has had a very skewed understanding of who I am, that's not a representation of me. Right. That's yep. a representation of what the ex said about you. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Which sucks, right? It but totally that's does. not it's yep. not you. Yeah. And you don't have to be liked by everyone. Like, right. I think once I realized that, so many things became easier. <laughs> Mm-hmm. When I was just like, oh, not, I don't have to get every person to like me. Yeah. My favorite thing from the podcast has been not all people are for us. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Not, a, not all people are for me. Absolutely. Um, I do have another tangible thing. I go, go, go. And I hate myself for saying this, so I'm going to say it anyway. Therapy. Well, that. Uh, but also, have you tried doing a loving kindness meditation and using this person as part of it? Oh, yeah. Uh, and for folks who don't know, a loving kindness meditation sort of walks you through uh, good feelings that you have about people that you love and then yeah. like tries to work with you to like move those to people who are causing you pain. Um, and you think to yourself as you're thinking about these people, I wish you happiness. I wish you health. And I wish for you to be at peace, um, which is like really not asking a lot, right? yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> the very base minimum. Um, but for me, whenever I am having difficulty with someone who is just like, and for some reason keeps triggering something that is like making me really angry with them, like outsized anger mm-hmm. um, that is reflective of maybe something that they did in the past, but isn't reflective of like the action that they just did. Mm-hmm. That's like triggering. Um, I will sometimes like just say that to myself in my head of like, I wish you health. I wish you happiness. And I wish you for you to be at peace as a reminder of like the fact that I am capable of sending loving, loving kindness to any person in the world. And that this person Deserves to be happy, healthy, and at peace, even if they've pissed me off in this totally. moment. Totally. Which sucks and stupid because I would love to be mad all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm being contemplative right now. Mm. I'm contemplating too. Like, I'm, gl- I'm glad that you said that because that is definitely like an anxiety silencer for me mm-hmm. sometimes. Yep. Um, I'm also trying to think of like a practice or a mental, um, an affirmation or a mantra or something that she can say that releases her of this woman too, because mm-hmm. I feel like she's a little haunted by this ex because of trauma. And so it's like, can you, can you wish her well and, and can you end that mantra or the, the loving kindness meditation by saying, I will not carry you anymore or yeah. something, you know, like, well, yeah. And that's what I love about that. Yes. That mantra, like that. I wish you happiness. I wish you health and peace. I wish for you to be at peace because then it feels like the end of the sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You're like, <laughs> peace out. Yeah. Right. And I release you. I yeah. release myself from other thoughts of you. Like I release yeah. myself from any other feeling about you besides this very cozy, wonderful thing, which is that I hope you're at peace. Yeah, right? totally. It's like, bless your heart. Like people in the South say that yeah. like, a way to be like, yeah, bless your heart. Like, cute. Bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Jean Louise, I think that, again, in so many instances in our letters or instances in Head and Heart work, I think you know, if not what to do, where you want to go, right? Mm-hmm. What You know what you, you want your life to look like. And a lot of times in these Head and Heart work instances, 
we just have to say to our brains and our hearts what we want them to do. Yeah. So maybe upon hearing this or upon tomorrow morning or whatever it is, you can say when you're when your thoughts go to this woman or to this fear of her or when somebody talks about her and you don't want to hear about her, you can just say to yourself, this is not of me anymore. Mm-hmm. I am I am invested in the success and sustainability and health of my relationship. She is not in that. Mm-hmm. However, I will say I know that therapy is, is, is seems like an out of reach resource so often, um, but it definitely sounds like your boyfriend would could benefit from unpacking some of this. Your relationship would benefit from your boyfriend unpacking some of this with a mental health professional and you as well, because I, I it kind of continues the conversation we had last week about like passive abuse versus like active aggressive abuse mm-hmm. or tra- capital T trauma versus lower, lowercase trauma. Forget all of that and just recognize that it is very easy for us as humans to hurt one another, even unintentionally, even non-directly to really mess with the wiring in our head, right? Like I feel like that her experience, Jean Louise's experience with this woman has rewired something in her brain. Yep. And now she has to do the head and heart work to unwire it to, so that she, those synapses connect to the thoughts that she wants to have. For sure. Yep. Absolutely. And, and that just takes practice. And it you, just takes practice. You just keep doing it. Even it if you don't so believe dumb, it. But right? you just, you literally say it to yourself. Yep. There's a, the last thing I'll say really quickly is there's a um, fantastic NPR, or excuse me, not NPR, um, <laughs> New York Times podcast, The Daily. Sam mm-hmm. and I both listen to it. There was a really great episode for kids. Um, and it was called something about fear. And it was about a little nine-year-old um, who suffered from OCD and extreme anxiety. And uh, she was she had extreme OCD, not in like I want to straighten that picture way, but in that I'm having obsessive mm-hmm. thoughts that are taking over my whole body. Uh, she was terrified of tornadoes and of throwing up. Mm. So every time she felt sick, it was like her it, it was a complete meltdown. Like she couldn't. At the thought of looking at somebody vomiting, she would, or whatever. And so she went to a fear camp and an anxiety, uh, fear and anxiety camp where kids face their fears and their anxieties. Mm-hmm. And part of it was that they had to name their OCD or their anxiety. So she called her OCD OC. <laughs> and so that then we could say, we'd point to something like OC is talking in my head. OC, yeah. OC is telling me I'm going to throw up. Mm-hmm. OC is telling me I'm going to get taken away in a tornado. Yep. And... One of the tactics that this young, this, the camp taught her was that when your anxiety is repeating a refrain over and over again and your body gets more tense, you're more anxious, your brain's going, going, because your her OC was saying, you're going to throw up, you're going to throw up, you're going to throw up. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways that they taught her to com- combat it was to simply say to that voice in her head, I'm going to throw up. You're right. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> And all of a sudden, the OC voice, she explained it as being like, oh, okay. (laughs) So then it shut up. Like, it was a way to, like, disempower this scary voice. Uh Yeah. So I do wonder, like, when we're talking about these mantras, when we're talking about the rewiring of your brain post this trauma with this ex, other than healthy boundaries, other than making sure your boyfriend is not um, contacting her, Mm -hmm. you know, drawing those healthy lines and saying, we want to grow our relationship past this past relationship. Is there a way for you to be like, you know what? Because at the end of the day, 
OC or your or your voice could be saying, this woman's going to come back into our life. She's going to traumatize my boyfriend again. She's going to talk bad about me. She's going to do all of these things. And the truth is she probably could. Mm-hmm. And all you can do is say, you're right. She is going to do that. These are the tools I have. Right. This is how I can respond. Exactly. Yeah. So, Jean Louise, we know this is a headache of a situation, but we love you and uh, we believe in you. Yeah. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right. Y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh, my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because, (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash justbreakup for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash justbreakup to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash justbreakup. All right, Head & Heart Workers, you know I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... 
Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right, our next letter comes from Attached, who is writing from Self Help Land. <laughs> Imagine if that was like a theme park that you went to. Oh, my God. It would be so fun. Would it be? Yeah, because you and I would be the king and queen, clearly. (laughs) I'd be the king and you'd be the queen. Exactly. (laughs) Dear Sam and Sierra, this letter is a hot and tangled mess of questions about moving on attachment styles and how fucking hard online dating is. Yep. To set the scene, I am a 20-something-year-old single straightish female who is trying to move on from a relationship. (laughs) Who is trying to move on from a relationship that I'm having a hard time cutting ties with. My ex and I are officially broke up last November, but have constantly been in a will-they-won't-they situationship since then, which from the outside probably just looks like him taking advantage of boundaries that I fail to keep. We don't even need to go any further. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all are so smart. That's right. We met organically through friends and had great chemistry from the start, and he had just come out of a traumatic divorce after marrying young and couldn't give me what I needed at the time during the relationship. I ended up feeling like more of an inconvenience than a girlfriend. We both acknowledged that we have feelings for each other, but I've been working really hard to accept that his 100% was only about 30% of what I needed in a relationship. So I'm at a point now where I'm trying to get past this old relationship and meet other people, which mainly comes in the form of online dating. Mm Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I fucking hate online dating. Mm -hmm. My last relationship was so serendipitous and with natural chemistry. Now I feel like I'm stuck on these apps that are trying to engineer chemistry. I always feel like there's pressure on a first date because clearly both people, at the very least, have romantic intentions compared to meeting organically where you just click with someone and there isn't pressure because you didn't even have the intention to meet them in the first place. I feel like I put so much stock in meeting someone and wanting that instant spark, and it just never happens. Not like it did with my last relationship. I feel stupid even comparing these dates to my last relationship because clearly that didn't work out for me. But I think in my mind, I know things can be begin that way, and I feel like I'm now expecting that as a baseline. Honestly, I don't think I'd know a good first date if it slapped me across the face. I feel like you would. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings me to my next point. I also, I feel like I also have a tendency to either A, nitpick something someone says online and use it as an excuse to stop talking to them or not go out with them, or B, take something that happened on that first date and use that as a reason not to go out again. My friends and my mother, of course, make fun of me for this and tell me that I should give guys more than one date to make an impression. But when I've taken their advice and gone out with guys that I didn't really have a great time with the first time, things just got worse the next time around. And then I felt like it was a harder situation to get out of since I had gone out with them more than once. I just don't know how to figure out if I actually just don't vibe with someone or if I'm being too picky. Which brings me to the last question. Do you think those things sound like avoidant attachment style behaviors? Am I finding reasons to not give people a chance because I'm I'm still somewhat clinging to my ex, who, by the way, just also ventured into the world of dating apps, matched with me, asked if we could go out on a date, and then never followed up. (laughs) That means they both swiped yes on each other. Right? Attached. (laughs) Remember that thing about boundaries (laughs) that you talked about? (laughs) I I read the book Attached because it came... That's when you panic and throw your phone. Yeah. (laughs) 
I read the book attached because it it came highly recommended by you guys and the whole avoidant anxious trap that really seemed to apply to me and my ex with me being the anxious style and him being avoidant. So why do I feel like I'm being the avoidant one in the dating world right now? Am I just super fucked up type that is both anxious and avoidant? Is my dating life doomed? (laughs) For the record, I am trying to get into therapy for this too. I read a lot of self-help books, like a lot. I know I have a lot to offer and that I'm worthy of good, true love. So I'm trying. I'm just having a rough go of it. I just want dating to be more fun than it seems to be. Anything you can give me would be greatly appreciated. Love you both so much. Thanks for all that you do for all of the hot messes out there in the trenches of dating. <laughs> in the trenches. I love that. Oh, attached. Thank you for such a wonderful and hilarious letter. Sweet. Uh, yes. Okay. Attached. Um So my question is, are you picky or do you just have standards? (laughs) And that's a genuine question um, for Sam and I to answer, mm -hmm. to ponder. Um, But I wanted to start out by saying that and and by saying, too, that, like, take it from Sam and I after we read 5,000 letters Mm -hmm. from from all of you wonderful listeners. There are about 5,000 ways to have a horrible relationship. Yes. And right now, in... Like, maybe we can shift your thinking to one of not like, wow, dating sucks. I'm so picky. It's, wow, I'm so awesome at avoiding all the horrible relationships out there. Sure. Yeah. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I know that it feels like dry and unproductive right now. And like, you're like, oh, dang, the chemistry is not there. But part of me just thinks like, yeah, it's not there. And you'll know it when it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, or does uh, what do you think? Does she sound too picky to you? Uh, yes. <laughs> but you and I have like very different experiences with online dating. Yes. And with like relationships starting. Yeah, I would. I, I'm listening into this from the perspective of like 24 year old Sierra mm-hmm. who could have used some more pickiness. Yeah. And I'm looking at this in the idea yeah. of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 25 year old Sam who could have like given people more of a chance (laughs) (laughs) and I gave them like so many chances (laughs) I don't but I also think like but there's something to be said about the thing about chemistry sorry to interrupt you no but I also think that chemistry sometimes we confuse chemistry with like sociopathic ability to be charming (laughs) yes or like codependency right like I Sometimes dating is just trying people on and seeing whether or not they fit. Yeah. And like chemistry should for sure be a part of that. Like, I think that there should be like a of like, oh, I'm excited to see this person. And if you're not feeling that great. But I also think that sometimes we get so wrapped up in these ideas of like, oh, I'm going to meet the person. I'm just going to immediately know like I, it's going to be like love at first sight. We're going to like he's going to sweep me off my feet. And like, I don't think that that is the reality for many people. I think I agree. And I don't think that, and I think we sometimes do ourselves a disservice of like a slow burn when we're like looking for that immediate fire. I totally agree. I also think though, it Tinder adds a certain level 
it it is a disservice to the disservice, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like Tinder, it's so hard to like vibe with someone, and so I can I can like think back to times where I was in similar situations with attached, where I'm messaging with someone, and it's just not like they say something on there where you're like, yeah. this is so clunky and weird because the platform is weird. Yeah. This is why I'm a big fan of OK Cupid. I wish it was more popular. It just takes more work. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it's not popular. For sure, um, I would I would suggest that to attached honestly. Be, and and the reason why I like it more is that it takes more time to develop a profile, and it and it's not like a texting app. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it might be. Uh, I'm sure they have like an app on your phone, but it, it's not like like hey. Hey, (laughs) what's up? Nothing. You, you know, Uh like it's more like they uh, you're kind of prompted to ask each other questions about all of the information that you put in your profile. So you you spark a little bit more of a conversation instead of a an anonymous text thread. Right. Which is what Tinder feels like so often. No, that's legit. I mean, I've also heard good things about Hinge, too, because you have I never used Hinge. You have to. Developed up too soon or too. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to develop a full profile and then like yeah. you are supposed to like you have to re- reference something from the profile in order to like talk yeah. to someone. Yeah. Is my understanding. But that is all to say that yes, like it is a slog for sure. Online dating is the worst. What is that word? A slog? Yeah. Like a like a bummer. Yeah, like an arduous task. Ooh, you have to like slog teaching through. Teaching me things. Yeah. Uh so it does suck. I will give, grant you that. And I and I think at the end of the day, you should trust your instinct about whether or not you're connecting with people. Well, that's that's kind of where I get to is that where what I'm feeling is like, sure, maybe maybe you've gone on 10 dates or you've matched with 10 people and you have not followed through with any of them because you're, quote unquote, too picky. Mm hmm. Like, maybe you missed out on two people that were, like, fine, but probably the rest of them weren't for you because Mm -hmm. we're not for everyone. And I I don't feel like she's missing out yet. Maybe if this was, like, the 10th year of being really picky on Tinder, (laughs) I'd be like, well, maybe we should stop this. But I don't know. Um, Do we have advice for moving forward? Something that you could think about attached is... Well, first of all, don't fucking match with your ex. Yeah, why? <laughs> that meant you both swiped, yes. I know, that's what I put together. It was like, it's not only that you saw him, but you both were like, yep, want to do this rodeo again. Yes. <laughs> and I also think, I think it gets easier to be able to see other people yes, fully I, when you are not think, comparing them, putting right, them, like, right, a right, right. mask on them and saying like, this is not this person that I'm right. actually really. That's why in love I brought with. up the the matching is because to me that's very obvious. It's not that you are. It's not about your attachment style. It's about your healing, right? And about your mental uh, ability to let other people in. Mm-hmm. Um, because it sounds like you might not be fully over this person or that, or that relationship, and you might like emotionally you might be like, yes, that relationship was a bop, and we're not, or like was a failure, and and. And we shouldn't be together, but but you, there could be a nostalgic part of you that just misses the comfort of being in a relationship. Mm-hmm. If we're going to talk about attachment styles, you might just miss feeling comfortable yep. instead of the chronic discomfort that is online dating. Um, so, number one, don't match with your ex. 
<laughs> Stop talking to your ex. Like, give yourself some space and time to get over that. Establish those boundaries and... And be realistic about what your relationship was like. Yep. Remember, like, don't over... We, we over-romanticize the past so much, mm-hmm. right? Especially when faced with a not-so-perfect future. Right. Or present, even. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, another thing, too, is... So, you have, of those 10 people that I'm making, that arbitrary number... Um, you you match with them and you didn't vibe with them. Is there a way that you can expand your, um, is there, are there certain people that you're not interested in automatically Hmm. that maybe you could like, I don't know, bend your openness to that? (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's exact. That's sort of what I was talking about. Of being like, how can you be more open minded to this? Like, I know that you you reject the the online dating itself because it feels like you're trying to manufacture chemistry. Yeah. But it is also like the way to meet people now, right? Yeah. Like, and so I I would just encourage you to 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 sort of acknowledge the fact that like this is this is one of the only options available to you. How can you as a user make the best of it? Yeah. Right. Like. Maybe it's not going on dates with lots of people, right? Maybe it's that you want to talk with them before you decide to go on a yeah. date with them. Or maybe it's that you want to go on as many dates as possible and be like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to message back and forth. I want to like get with you. Yeah. Um, just think about like, there's not much we can do about the fact that online dating, it seems to be the way that most people meet each other these yeah. days. Um, and how can you change your perspective to to be like, okay, this is the reality. How do I make the best of it? And another piece of reality that I want to throw out there is that like no dating app company is going to advertise or market how depressing online dating is. <laughs> Nobody, no, Bumble's not going to be like... of this is going to be awful, you know, (laughs) but that is the reality of it. And I don't mean that to depress people. Mm -hmm. I mean it in a way that we can, we know what we're getting into that sometimes online dating can make you feel a little bit more lonely or frustrated than you might feel organically, you know? And so attached, I wonder if you can just sort of like accept that reality that like, you know what? I am being really picky right now because I don't want to waste my time. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in love. I'm interested in connection. And if I don't feel that, I'm not going to pursue it. Mm-hmm. But knowing fully and in a comforting way that that is going to hurt a little. Yep. It, it's it's more uncomfortable to to be honest with yourself about how you feel than to shack up with somebody you don't really care about. Yeah. And so... Maybe my biggest advice is just accept that you will be uncomfortable mm-hmm. by being single. That's right. And I think, and I also think like, how are you practicing self-care while doing this too? Because like, because online dating is such a nightmare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are you doing <laughs> to make sure that you are taking care of yourself as you, as you go through this necessary some would say, but awful process? Right. <laughs> right? Well, am I right? Like nobody's going to be like online dating is is a trigger for loneliness and depression. Right. No, they're not. They're not going to, like, you know, put that on a billboard. They're just going to show a lot of, like, pictures of weddings and be like, yeah, so yeah. many people have met on yeah, Tinder. Yeah, But I remember being like, this is depressed. I'm depressed yeah. by this. Yeah. So, like, how are you, are, is there a limit that you place on how long you are on that, right? Right. Like, is it that you only talk to a certain number of people at a time? Or whatever it is to make sure that you are putting effective boundaries on it to say, like, this is really hard to do. I know that it 
can get me someplace where I want to be, but I'm going to take care of myself in the present so that I can show up and be the best so that I can be as open as possible so that I can can do this thing that I know in some way will hopefully serve me in helping me achieve my goals. And the last thing I'll add from both of us is that you're not less of a person if you're not in a relationship. No, you're absolutely not. Right? And so I know that your mom and your friends are giving you shit about your picky standards, but you're not missing anything. You're a whole person and you are valuable as is, whether you're in a relationship or not. Absolutely. We love you attached. Thank you so much for writing. All right. Our final letter is from Kim K, who is writing to us from Canada. Oh, so not the Kim K. Canada is spelled with a K. (laughs) Just kidding. It's not. (laughs) Okay. I love the start of our story. We had known each other for over a year, but I never saw, let's call him Gordon, in a romantic way. One night when we were all out with friends, he just went for, he went for it with me out of nowhere. And from that night onward, we were inseparable. It was crazy how natural everything was, and it was absolutely perfect. I had major trust issues growing up, so I always ended things before it got serious so that I wouldn't get hurt in the end. But for the first time in my life, it was different. I felt it in my heart and knew it was real. Two weeks later, he asked me to be his girlfriend. Two weeks later, I told him I was falling for him, and he told me he loved me. Usually, I know that this could be a red flag so early on, but we both just knew. I could be so true and honest around him, and it was truly the happiest I've ever been. The problem was that Gordon had been unhappy with himself and where he was at in life long before our relationship began. He felt discouraged with his life and would have extreme emotional lows. I'm a true believer in that you have to be happy with yourself in order to make others happy. I felt guilty that I wanted him to prioritize me when he needed himself the most. Slowly, I could feel a little bit of distance as he became more and more unhappy with himself. I wanted him to be, I wanted him to need me, but the thing was he needed himself most. I wasn't trying to change him, but I wanted to be there for him and by his side. However, he started to drink a lot more, slept until 2 p.m., and while I loved hanging out with him still, our relationship became a standstill. There wasn't anything wrong per se, but our relationship wasn't growing and developing. I kept telling myself that I needed to end it, but I couldn't bear the thought of losing him. I kept telling myself that the good outweighed the bad, but he was trying and he was trying so hard to be the best boyfriend. Eventually, after six months, we broke up because he needed to be on his own to make himself happy and to figure out life. I felt like he gave up on us. I understood that he needed to do this on his own and it hurt because but it hurt because why did he have to get rid of the one thing in his life that made him happy? Me. Why was he willing to let me go? I knew deep down that it wasn't for the best, but it, that it was for the best, but I just couldn't let go. Even though we broke up, we talked pretty much every day and met up all the time. He would say, quote, there's n- no one in my life I loved more than you. I think about you every day. You mean so much to me and I care about you so much. The last six months, we've tried to say we are broken up or we are on a break, but come crawling back to each other because we love each other so much. We are so good when we're together. And then we have one crazy fight and then it all comes crashing down. We ended things again for the third time within a year because of the constant highs and lows that were exhausting us both. We go from hanging out all the time, inseparable together, to another break, then hanging out all the time to another break, and it's a continuous cycle, and it's not healthy. What I can't understand is 
I'm willing to work through the problems because I love him so much, but he just shuts down. We've been down this road a million times the past year, and it has been the hardest breakup I have ever been through. There are red flags about him that would normally be deal breakers for me, but I love him so much that I overlook them and make excuses for them. Sometimes I think I deserve better, and I know I wouldn't seem like I was asking for too much if I was the right person. But when he tells me I love you until the day I die and beyond, and I think about you every day, I'll miss you for every day of the rest of my life. Shouldn't we be together? If our love is so strong, shouldn't we be able to get through anything? Or is it just time to appreciate the love we had and know that our love for one another is unconditional and but just move on for good? I have so much love to give, and I know he does too, but are we just supposed to, t- to let it all go and leave it up to the universe? It's the classic question. When do you know to let go for good or continue trying harder because you truly love each other? Sorry for the long story. I'm just so lost and I've tried everything to get over this relationship, but still it seems impossible to do. Thank you so much for writing, Kim K. This is a hard one. (laughs) Well, it is a recognizable one, I think. Um, Not that it it is very hard. Um, I think it is. Sam and I sometimes talk privately <laughs> not always before in front of microphones but we sometimes we talk about how uh hard it can be to read our our letter submissions all in in one sitting mm-hmm. because it's kind of hard to repeatedly read very similar stories from so many people across the world about how hard it is to be two humans in partnership with each other yeah and how this is a perfect example of the best intentions, um, but some weak tools or lacking of tools, yep. lacking of boundaries, but the, so much love, right? For sure. Not to talk about my own poetry, <laughs> but I have a poem about an abusive relationship that I was in and and the conflict that I felt internally about um, how much love I had for that person still. Yep. And one of the lines that I still think of, especially when I read letters like this, Kim, is what do I do with all this leftover love? Mm. What do you do when you have love for somebody who has proven to be unsafe or unsustainable or not good for you? Yep. Um, So first first up, Kim, I'm sorry that you're in this situation and we have a lot of empathy for it. Absolutely. Um, I think that the the best way we can be helpful for you is to give you a lot of tough love. Mm-hmm. So please know that we really empathize with this situation. We have both been in comparable relationships who have last that have lasted years. You, yes. you know, lived with my ex for two years, right? Like after we broke up. <laughs> yeah, you know, we have been in relationships where we stayed for way too long. Yep. That you could, you know, that at some parts of our lives we said we wasted time with these people. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. So, um. And we have loved people who hurt us. We have loved people who have been bad to us. So we definitely understand and are approaching this with a lot of empathy. But I want to make sure that I, that Sam and I say things really clearly mm-hmm. so that um, hopefully we can shake you out of this cycle. Absolutely. Because it is a cycle, right? Mm-hmm. It's an addiction. It is. The Absolutely. highs and lows that we stay with people just to feel good, mm-hmm. to, to avoid that bad drop. Absolutely. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, Let's get started with the tough love. <laughs> okay, so Kim, here's my here's my first tough love. Um, I hope you hear it when I read you the letter back that it doesn't matter how much you love someone. If you have an unhealthy relationship, that love is wasted. Uh-huh. Well. Not wasted. No, no, no. I, I take that back. That love is not going anywhere productive. Yes. It's not going to, love un, is not going to fix it. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. I, that's probably the harshest thing I'll say right there is yep. that it doesn't matter how much you love each other. Yeah. Isn't that hard? Because it is really we, hard. we, we have been taught in like every book, every pop culture thing that like, if you just love somebody enough, the relationship should work. Mm-hmm. But that's the lie that we've been brought up on yep. that makes us stay in relationships that are not good for us and when, or safe for us. And when yep. I say safe, I don't mean, Kim, that your partner is threatening you or hurting you physically, but you're not... Um, flourishing in this relationship. This relationship is not a fertile, safe place for you to grow and be happy and be the person that you're meant to be. We're not supposed to go through these extreme highs and lows. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not what you, that's not your purpose on life is your purpose on life is not to be constantly giving your relationship CPR. Mm -hmm. No, that's real. And I, so Kim, I'm going to say this, but your relationship to me is like textbook codependency. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we talk about codependency, we talk about um, like sacrificing your own happiness in an effort to to control your other, your significant other's emotions, right? We talk about um, having so much love that it feels like you can't establish healthy boundaries with the person. Um, coming together and spending all of your time together all of the time and then having a big fight and breaking and going your separate ways. Um is is codependent because there's there's no healthy amount of of boundaries that mm-hmm. allow you to love each other in ways that are healthy, mm-hmm. um, and so I would encourage you uh, as always to see a therapist about this, uh, but also to to read the book Codependent No More by Melody, Melody Beatty, um, which talks about the ways in which our the the greatest one of the greatest things we can do for people which is to love them can actually turn into something that hurts them and hurts us yes right and i and i think that's why i i'm feeling really emotional about this letter and it is because i can feel how much you love gordon like i can feel that you are just like putting all of the wonderful things and all of the gifts that you can give the world into this thing. And it's just not working because it, it doesn't have the place to grow in a healthy right. way. Um, and I just think that that's, that's so hard, but I want, I'm telling you right now, you are trying to grow a garden in sand. Yes. Right. You are trying to pour all of your love, all of the nutrients that you can into this plant that has nothing to hold it there. Yes. And that sucks so bad. Yes. But I have to tell you that because I need you to see it for what it is so that you can understand that you need to walk away from it and you need to find a place where you can grow, where you can plant something that is actually going to be sustainable. Yeah. And I'm going to jump on that and say, too, I don't even mean walk away from this to grow a garden in a different, more fertile place. A big symptom of codependency that I know way too well Uh personally is um, either a lack of sense of self or struggling with self-loathing or or. Or something within us, codependence, Kim, because I'm one of those people too. Yep. But there's something in us that tells us that we are not enough as is, that we are 
only worth the love other people have for us, mm-hmm. right? Which means if you were to leave Gordon, who are you without his love? Exactly. Who are you if you don't if you can't love him? And mm-hmm. I hear that so much in your letter, you struggling with letting go of this toxic, unhealthy, cyclical relationship because who are you without it? Yep. And I want to tell you, you are a whole, worthy, lovable human without this relationship. You are whole, worthy, and lovable if no one loves you. Mm-hmm. You are whole, worthy, and lovable even if you have no one to love. And I want something that I really want to prompt you, Kim, is to reflect on how much time, energy, emotional labor, financial uh, money are you putting into this relationship that you are not putting into strictly yourself? Right. Like, where do you grow yourself? Where is Kim's garden, right? Mm -hmm. Who? What are your hobbies? What are your jobs? What are the things that bring you joy? Um, what are the things that in your life make you happy outside of this relationship? Um, and I'm fearful, Kim, that there that that list is very small because how else can an addict how how can an addict make space for anything other than its addiction? Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it sounds like you you make so much space for this relationship, this succubus of a relationship that takes all your time, energy, love, um, that I don't know where Kim is. That's right. And I also want to say, Kim, is that um, toxic and unhealthy relationships don't always look like anger and abuse, right? Toxic and unhealthy relationships can just look like a person who is hurting and is unintentionally or, or um, you know, through no fault of their own, hurting their partner. Right. Right. And so I think sometimes we are, we are taught to look for um, red flags that are like, this person gets really angry or this person threatens me or this person uh, becomes really toxic when they're drunk. Mm -hmm. Right. Like those are all flags, red flags that we have learned to, to identify. But sometimes the red flag is, is this person is incapable of taking care of themselves. Right. Right. Like this person is, uh, is pulling me into things that aren't mine to be pulled into. And it's it's hard to say that because we all, I can totally empathize with the fact that Gordon is hurting and that he needs support, but you are not the person to need to offer him that support. Mm-hmm. And he needs help that isn't you. You are not going to be able to solve this problem. You are not going to be able to fix it. And as sad as that is, and as painful as that is, and you know that I know that firsthand, mm-hmm. The reality is, is that both of you need to find a way to be healthy on your own before you are going to be able to mend any sort of relationship, mm-hmm. right? And and it's really sad to say that, but I, I just want to be clear that, like, there's nothing for you here. Mm-hmm. This is an unhealthy, a toxic relationship, even though it is full of love and it's sad instead of scary, it is still unhealthy and it is still not working. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My parting words are would probably be say would be that just like an addict often needs to quit cold turkey mm-hmm. or do a detox. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need to quit cold turkey. I mean, well, let me hear me out. <laughs> I can unfortunately and with great empathy and love and respect, Sam and I are saying just break up. Mm-hmm. Um but I would also like to say it sounds like you need to hit a reset on your relationship with yourself and your relationship with Gordon. And that reset needs to include some sort of um, 
cleanse time Mm -hmm. in which you detox from that relationship. And that means you do not you do a no contact. That would be uh, like a a tangible piece of advice, I would say. I I would suggest that you go through a no contact stage where you guys don't contact each other for three months and see who you are at the end of that time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, go ahead. Yeah. I would say that, yes, but it also sounds like you've tried that before, too, like that you that you go through periods where you don't talk to each other. Right. And so maybe it does have to be something more firm, firmer. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. that you can't be in contact with each other for the foreseeable future. Right. Like. And that's okay. That's another thing that codependents really struggle with is that we have so much love to give that we feel like we're hurting someone by reinforcing our own boundaries or prioritizing our own health. Our health. You're not a bad person for saying, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And you might be, you might hurt him by saying that, but you are not hurting him. Right. Uh, That might hurt his feelings. He might feel pain because of that. But guess what, Kim? You have a right to exist in this world. You have agency. You have a right to happiness. And you you are not a bother to someone by expressing your own needs or desires. That's a Mm. huge thing that codependent people struggle with is understanding that, like, you just have a right to exist. And existing includes making people uncomfortable, making people saying things that people don't want to hear, disappointing people. That... All of that doesn't make you a bad person. That mm-hmm. is a part of the human experience. You cannot walk through this world without disappointing or hurting people. Absolutely. And it doesn't make you a bad person to do that, Kim. So, yeah, big heavy sigh after all that, Kim. We love you. We believe in you. We we love your love, but we can tell that it's sick right now. Yeah. Right? Like, just because we have the capacity to love something so much doesn't mean that the love inside of us is healthy. Mm-hmm. And you deserve something healthy and sustainable and stable. You do. Good luck. Thanks so much for writing. We love you so much. All right. That wraps up episode 77 and brings us to the blind date segment of the show. Every episode, we want to shout out something we want to send you home with. This week, we want to set you up with... An article on BuzzFeed called Alienated, Alone, and Angry. (laughs) (laughs) That's my dating profile. (laughs) right. What the Digital Revolution Really Did to Us by Joseph Bernstein. Okay. Um, and they did it, they published it at the end of 2019 and sort of like a retrospective of the last decade and, and looking at like the digital revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, for me, it really gave words to some of the things that I had been feeling about the way in which technology impacts our lives. Oh my God. Um, in a way of that was really affirming because I was like, oh, it's not just me who's feeling these things about like the way in which social media, like we talk about this all the time, like people have a ridiculous amount of access to us all of the time. Yeah. Uh, like Facebook was supposed to be this thing that brought us all together and people still talk about how it brings us all together. But really, it's a place for people to like spread lies and for right. people to like become tribal and right. and like angry with each other. Um, and just this realization that like... um the way that he talks about it is like, you know, at when all of this technology was coming out, we were sold a, a false bill of goods about mm. it. And so many of us, I think, myself included, are continuing to believe that false bill mm-hmm. of goods. And what was nice about the article was that it was just a refreshing way to be like, oh, no, this I can interact with technology differently now because I have words to talk about how it has impacted me negatively. And then I don't have to feel guilty about the fact that I don't want to engage with it in the ways that people are asking me to. I can't wait to read that. Yeah. And it was just like, I was like, 
I just stumbled upon it and started reading it and was like, wow, this is like, this is so well done and nuanced. And I can't wait to read it. Like, I just texted you the other day when I was like struggling with anxiety that I, a major depressive thought that I had was that I'm 100% financially dependent on the internet mm-hmm. at a time in my life when I am starting to realize how unhealthy the internet is for me sometimes. For sure. And I think sometimes the internet also like just asks us to to get rid of our own boundaries, right? Totally. Like, oh my God, you're so right. Right. And I think like, and I think we can, I think we can use technology in healthy ways. Like I think right. this podcast is a good example right. of us being like, yeah, we're going to show up and be vulnerable, but in a way that, that feels real to us. Yeah. And that we have some and control over and mm-hmm. like, you know, we're going to take a week off on like you and right. I have been really, really intentional about doing that. Right. Um, and it was just a really helpful way for me to think about that, not just in this podcast, but about every technology that I interact with. Why do I feel so much anxiety about returning emails? Right. Like, right. Ten years People ago, have access. Yeah. <laughs> right? it, it's the oh, really quickly the crazy thing that I learned at like a retreat a year ago was that you know back in the age of the home telephone. Uh-huh. If people wanted to get a hold of you, they were responsible for calling you. Right. And then the answering machine was invented, mm-hmm. which led to our texting or emailing, you know, like was it's like yep. a great, great, great grandmother of an email. Right. Right. And now the onus of response is on the person who was written the recipient right? right like it's my responsibility to respond to the person who's trying to get a hold of me right and exactly. isn't that weird it is <laughs> you're weird. like yeah i mean obviously like you're like some people out there might be like oh common courtesy but if you think about it there was a time in our in our lives that if you wanted to get a hold of someone you had to do the effort to you had to put in the effort to get a hold right. of them you had to call them you had to go there like, right. to their house like, right exactly whatever you had to write is, them so a like... letter or whatever <laughs> but now we live in this age of constant access and um people and people's uh, assumption over us yep. like i uh people assume our response before mm-hmm. we respond to them yep and a right yeah. to a response right. i guess and so there's all of that and there's also about like how yeah, how we'll talk about like, it. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> that um, sounds awesome. I can't wait to read it. Yes. So it is called, just let me say it one more time. Yeah. Sorry, I'm pulling up my phone. It's okay. Uh, it is called Alienated, Alone, and Angry. <laughs> <laughs> what the Digital Revolution Really Did to Us by Joseph Bernstein. All right. That sounds great. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com. I want to say really quickly, this is the only place that we will read and respond letters. We do read every single one of your letters that we get. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're talking hundreds every month. Uh-huh. Um, but this is the only place that we'll read and respond. So if you send us a dm if you send us an email those won't get answered on the podcast and this is just one of the ways sam and i have established a boundary for our own well-being so (laughs) you can find a place to submit your questions at justbreakuppod.com which is also where you can find our patreon and our merchandise that's right please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review and consider supporting us on patreon if you support us on patreon for five dollars a month you get an additional bonus weekly episode that's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod this literally keeps the lights on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, and producing by our good friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, right now you can release all fears of not being perfect. You are good enough. You are whole enough. You are lovable as is. 
You can let go of all expectations about what the future holds because you cannot control it. Let go of the need to control others. Allow others to make their own way in life. Liberate yourself from the desire to stay the same. Lean in. Find the change. And if all else fails, just break up. 